You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. But suffocation, because you can't breathe as you hang on the cross. On top of that, it was a statement. They put people up there that were mostly disgraced, uh, uh, disgraced uh, people from the, the, the army or people that had other political agendas. So it was a, it, what they would do, they would line some of the... This is why Jesus' crucifixion was on a mountain, because they wanted you to see it. They'd line the road with crosses as you came into Rome or different places. They wanted you to see who they were killing. So it was a way that the empire could oppress. It was a way of keeping the people fearful. It was torture. And it was a way of making a political statement. They would show that person and all their friends and all their family and their whole community would know that they're shamed and they died that way. Naked. On a cross. How on earth What marketing and branding team were at work to make that a 500-year-old working symbol to turn it into the things you just described to me today? A symbol of shame, fear, suffering, pain, oppression. And now someone just said cross equals love. Luckily, we don't have to guess. I'm going to invite Jess up now. Um, to come and read to us exactly what happened and how the cross's image radically was redefined. So come on, come on up, Jess. Thank you. You can use this one or this one is fine. So have we got this one on here? She's reading from Matthew 27 to 54, I believe. So if you're opening your Bibles, you can read along. Good morning. There we go. Good morning, church. Um, I must apologise. I only asked Steve very early this morning which version I should be reading from. So um, I'm reading from NIV. I'm not sure if it's going to match. There's a big cross in the way, that one. So we'll go (laughs) NIV. And everybody's opened their Bible or their electronic device now reading along anyway. Okay. All right. Thank you. Matthew 27, verse 27 to 54. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand. Then they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink, mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, 
they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lemma, Savakdani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with white vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. Thanks so much, Jess. Again, if there was a marketing team or a branding team around who said, how could we redefine the cross's image? You can imagine the suggestions. In fact, we don't even have to imagine the suggestions because the disciples told Jesus their suggestions for what he should do. They wanted him to take down Rome. Uh, They wanted him to conquer the empire, free the people from this oppression. One of them was carrying a sword. Um, It's funny to think about Jesus was the type of guy that would hang around people that were actually carrying a sword. Um, That's what they were ready for battle. They were ready for war. They were ready for violence. And the scripture we just, just just read in Matthew, which is an account of one of the accounts of Jesus' teaching and story and death, shows he didn't even react with violence even when being tortured. No one could have predicted, except for God, that the way to take the shame, the fear, the pain, the suffering of this symbol was to actually die 
on it. And we see two things happen in that moment. Two things happen. We see the physical, what could be seen from the people watching. Something changed in that moment. We know for one there was a storm, there was earthquakes, there was something happening in the universe. Something was shaking. Thousands of prophecies leading up to this event, something physical was happening. So insane, so incredible was the events that was happening that one of the guys in the Gospel of Luke that is hanging, suffocating beside Jesus. So as you imagine, not a man of many words at that time uses a few of them to say, you must be somebody. Take me where you're going. Deliver me. So in Jesus' death, which they would have seen hundreds of them, something about the way he died meant the guy beside him used the very few words he had to seek repentance. And of course we know Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. So incredible the physical, what, what they could see of this man dying meant the expert killer, the guy that probably had a thousand, I don't know, but probably had a thousand crucifixions under his belt, stood there. And this was not just a regular crucifixion. Something he observed as a Roman soldier, and we know the words we just read, they're just up there, they're hidden behind the cross. He says, upon watching this man die, surely he was the son of God. How do you die in a way that people start to recognise that you're actually God? Something incredible was happening. Then, of course, the spiritual change. It said the curtain in the temple ripped in two. I don't know if you've heard, but... This is going to be a... I'm going to just try to find... The, the curtain is not just one of these curtains. It's like about three times the thickness of this Bible. It was not easily ripped. And, but what it represented is the segregation between the unholy and the holy. The distance between the creator and the creation. Spiritually in that moment... Everything changed. The debt was paid. While we're still sinners, Romans 5.8 says, Christ died for us and we were allowed access to the holy. That means everyone, not just those in church that morning. Everyone was now allowed access to the holy through Jesus. I've thought, I heard someone say this the other day, I really liked it. Not only can we get into the holy, but it meant the holy could come out. The Holy Spirit could be found anywhere through Jesus. Something spiritually happened. Thousands of prophecies fulfilled in that moment. People foretelling of this event was fulfilled. A whole calendar system, a whole law and justice system based around this event. His death changed everything. And so this morning, we sit in a room with some people that have been dragged along to church this Easter. Didn't even run kicking and screaming, but thank you for coming. Some people that this is the, the second time they come to church a year. No, this is fine. Christmas and Easter. Some regular attenders. 
and some people that wanted to check out the church and, and everything in, in between. No matter where you sit, whether you're a seasoned Christian or you're just noticing something this morning, I can guarantee or I can almost guarantee that in your life you carry some fear. In your life you, are, you feel defined by some stuff that's happened. Some of you will carry some shame. Most of you will look outside in the West today and go, what on earth is happening? And feel oppressed by it. We don't have crucifixion anymore, but we have a global system of shaming anyone if they don't look right or they do the right thing. What do you carry? What are you defined by? Some of you will be Christians for over 100 years. <laughs> Maybe. And there's still places in your life that you think are too dark, too defined by that thing that happened, and God couldn't possibly redefine that. And then some of you don't even quite know what I'm saying, but I believe it says, eternity is written in the hearts of all men. I believe everybody, if they're listening in this moment, knows something about this is incredibly true. It calls to a deeper truth, I think, written in our very bones. We serve a Christ. We know a Christ that can redefine you. Even the darkest things. It turned a cross that was about suffering, pain, fear, oppression, into a symbol for hope. How much more could he do for you if you let him? How much more did he die for that shame you're carrying? How much more did he die for that fear, that pain, that thing that happened that you've never shared? How much more? Christ says we need to die to that. It's, it's a bit gruesome, it's die to that. But I mean, spiritually, we need to put it up on the cross with him and receive that new identity. Receive that rebirth, receive that new definition of who we are. And so this morning, we're going to have a song played in a moment after I pray. And it's your time. We're going to finish the service, essentially. You can do whatever you want. But there's a couple of things you can and are invited to do. One, you can sit there and process this, what the Christ means, what the cross means for you this Easter. Two, if you're curious about it, you can think about, start to work out who you're going to go talk to after this and ask more about this. Or, we've got some post-it notes. And I'd encourage us, nothing magic about the post-it notes, got it from Stacks, but what they represent could be really, really life-changing this morning. You're going to ask, you can put something up there, write something up there that's holding you back, that you think you're defined by. Something, maybe it was something one of your parents said. I have a mate that one of the school teachers, just a random comment, um, said, you probably should go, and I should be careful because someone could work there, but he goes, you probably should just go get a job at McDonald's now um, and finish school because... That's where it goes for you as a, as a, as in the checkout. 
at McDonald's. And he was so defined by that, but for years he just didn't try in anything else. Teachers' words defined him almost for the rest of his life until he met Jesus. Uh, as a minister of, I think, three campuses in Melbourne. <laughs> what has been said to you? What defines you that you need to give to the cross this morning? So you can take a pen, write that down. No one's reading them. As in me and Neil, I'm going to quickly, after you all go, we're not going to quickly, oh, okay, all right. So write whatever you want. We won't check. But make it meaningful. Give it to Jesus. And let him redefine you this Easter. Let him deal with that thing that you never thought he would deal with. Or start that journey of curiosity. It doesn't happen in an instant. You know, just quickly, in in Matthew 28, he doesn't say, make converts. He says, make students. Come to me, be a learner, be a student, and let me do something amazing through what I've done in you. Let me redefine you. Like an old rugged cross that means torture, suffering, pain and fear and now means hope and love. That's the power of Christ. That's what he can do for you this morning. Come on down during this song. Spend some time writing, praying, kneeling and then we're going to finish off and then we're going to yeah, all come back here Sunday with all our friends and we're going to celebrate. Let me, let me pray. Father God, thank you so much that you didn't leave the cross with all its definitions. You changed it. And thank you so much, more importantly, that while we're still sinners, that you hung on that cross and broke everything, in a sense. Made a way back to you. Made a way that we could be redefined, that we could be children of God. That we didn't have to carry the shame, didn't have to carry the narrative we've been living with, didn't have to carry the sin, didn't have to carry the mistakes. The image that we think we have to be, the image that always falls short. That our definition, that who we are can be defined by you and that we can die to it, that we can give it to you, that you died for it. Do your work in us now. Let your Holy Spirit stir within us now. And may we continue this journey more powerfully or start this journey if we don't know you this morning. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.